Welcome to the latest mini Pharma Forum podcast. In this episode, Stephen Powell, the CEO of RiboNexus, agreed to join me in London after our plans to do so at Bio Europe Spring in Basel fell through. Here, we discuss the 2021 founded company's recent work and how it's on the cusp of identifying its first drug candidate. Put together from long-term research programs at Gustave Coussy, Institut Curie, the University of Strasbourg and Pierre Fabre, our conversation ranges from more lately well-known mRNA to the possibilities of EIF4A. Join us on this discursive oncological and developmental journey and as ever, thanks for listening. This is Nicole Raleigh, web editor for Pharma Forum, and I have today with me for this episode of the mini podcast, Stephen Powell, CEO of RiboNexus. So before we delve into things, Stephen, can you perhaps tell me what RiboNexus does and what you yourself do at RiboNexus? So I am the CEO of RiboNexus. Uh, we are a new company which has been uh, put together to um, really develop and ultimately commercialize very long-standing research programs from four different um, sources. Um, our primary goal is to develop drugs that overcome tumor resistance. That is tumor resistance to existing drug treatments. Yes, when you mentioned these um, four groups, I know there are three world-renowned French research institutes, Gustave Roussy, Institut Curie, and University of Strasbourg. The fourth one is? So the fourth one, which develops some of the core intellectual property, is the French pharmaceutical company Pierre Fabre. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the way that they've come together um, Gustave Wassy is very much a clinical center of excellence in um, cancer. Mm-hmm. And so they bring good, very good clinical oversight to what we're doing. Uh, the Institut Curie are particularly interested in the mechanisms which under, underpin some of our uh, drug approaches. The University of Strasbourg has a particular strength in medicinal chemistry. So creating novel chemical structures. And indeed, Pierre Fabre had been working in this particular field that we're going to go on and talk about. And therefore, they've laid down some of the um, original intellectual property and created a library of potential drug compounds. So to focus on Ribonexus, originally, apparently, you weren't called Ribonexus. You were called Aglaia Therapeutics. That's correct, yes. Because it is... A very new company itself, RiboNexus, November 2021. That's correct. Yes. Yes. So um, in April 2022, RiboNexus received 2 million euros in deep tech financing from BPI France. And so I just want to sort of know what's been happening since then, since that funding. So um, the overall funding picture is that um, the founding investors, which includes Pierre Fabre, the French pharmaceutical company, um, and also uh, two financial investors. Uh, they had committed back in 2021 4 million euros um, into the company, uh, invested as, as equity. And then indeed, we received um, an additional 2 million from uh, BPI France. And what that has enabled us to do is 
obviously um, establish uh, the company uh, and and start to pursue the business model um, that we are pursuing. But of course, underneath that, really start to move forward discovery programs in oncology and take the original intellectual property and move it forward so that we can progress to identifying at least one drug uh, candidate, which we are in the process of finalizing at the moment. So from inception to date, we've established a, a larger library of potential compounds. We've been testing those compounds en masse, uh, both in vitro uh, and also in in vivo models. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are on track to select a candidate for formal preclinical uh, development uh, within this quarter, in fact, so mm-hmm. quarter two, uh, 2023. So the discovery, real discovery phase of the company has lasted almost two years. Mm-hmm. But of course, the the science that underpins what we're doing from the, the three French institutes plus Pierre Fabre goes back way earlier than that. Oh. At least 10 years. Okay. So there's, there's, a, there's a huge amount of um, scientific knowledge which has been endowed into, um, into what is now Ribonexus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this two years of discovery and development, this has been of both small molecules and biological therapeutic products. Only small molecules. Only small molecules, okay. Yes. Um, obviously in the field of oncology, but um, I did look on the website and it mentioned other disease fields. Is this a future plan or is this something at the moment? No, that's something we've embarked on um, since my arrival. Okay. Um, so what we have now done is put in place the foundations of a pipeline of activity which encompasses three programs. Mm-hmm. Two of those programs are in oncology and are focused on the, the origins of uh, ribonexus in targeting a very specific um, cellular mechanism, which we may come on mm-hmm. and uh, talk about. Um, but the chemical class of compound that we're working on, which has its origins in plants in the um, family called Aglia, Mm -hmm. hence that original name. Um, From those natural products, we have created this library of synthetic analogs. So we've produced a variety of different compounds from those natural products, all of which can be manufactured synthetically. And these compounds have been demonstrated by some of our um, founding scientists, both at Gustav Wassi and also University of Strasbourg. Mm -hmm. They have been shown to be effective not just in inhibiting cancerous tumor growth, but also they've been shown to be effective as potential antiviral agents, and also they have anti-inflammatory properties. So, What we have been doing over the course of the past uh, six to nine months is indeed establishing two oncology programs, a lead program and a a follow-on program, but also looking at a third program to to really test our compounds in an inflammatory setting. So we're talking about uh, acute inflammatory conditions such as colitis or uh, chronic conditions um, such as arthritis. 
So, so, but that's very much encapsulated in that third discovery stage program. So two oncology programs and an um, anti-inflammatory program, all based around the same chemical class of compounds that are called flavoglines, mm-hmm. um, which are, as I said, have their origins in the plant family of glia. That, that's fascinating, what you've just been describing with the uh, plant family. Natural we have to be quite careful because yeah. the more that we dig into the chemistry of these compounds, A, the more complex the mechanisms, but also we have to stop ourselves getting carried away because if you go through the literature, the scientific literature, you find that they have some efficacy in a whole variety of different disease states. So mm-hmm. have to be careful that we don't present it as a, a super drug. Yeah. But certainly, it's um, for, from our purposes, we're focusing very much on oncology and inflammation. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so if we focus on the oncology for now. Yes. You're essentially looking at overcoming chemo resistance mm-hmm. and restoring the sensitivity to targeted therapies. And um, it seems that one solution you found is disrupting a protein synthesis downstream of the typically targeted metabolic pathways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me more about that? Yes. So um, cancer cells are, are proliferating, growing very, very quickly. Um, therefore, they have an enormous appetite for a number of um, metabolic processes, one of which is uh, protein synthesis. So they have a very rapid turnover um, in, and requirement to generate new proteins, additional proteins. Um, and what has been identified is that a lot of the signaling pathways, which have been the target for newer cancer drugs in a whole variety of different areas, those signaling pathways converge on a a mechanism which is central to protein synthesis. Mm -hmm. So this is typically upregulated in cancer cells. So there's a high level of protein synthesis ongoing. Now, if you target one of the, just one of the pathways that converge onto protein synthesis, cancer cells are very smart, and they can actually work around, they can bypass that inhibition if you're targeting one particular signaling pathway. But if all, not all, but the majority of the signaling pathways, the oncogenic signaling pathways, are converging on the protein synthesis mechanism, then if you inhibit that protein synthesis mechanism selectively, because of course, Protein synthesis also also takes place at a lower level in normal, healthy cells. Mm -hmm. So if you you can target that upregulated protein synthesis and inhibit protein synthesis in cancer cells, you kill the cancer cell, ultimately, uh, and inhibit tumor growth. But there isn't really a way around it for the cancer cell either. So what we are looking at in particular is to develop drugs that target that protein synthesis uh, mechanism, but can be used in conjunction with, in combination with the newer pathway targeting drugs as well. So we're not not saying that our drug will supersede those drugs, but in some cases, 50% of patients may well be resistant to 
pathway targeting drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're particularly interested on helping those drugs be more effective and to eat into that uh, resistant population. Okay, so if we dive down <clears throat> deeper now, um, it seems that this inhibition you're going after has to do with something called, and I may very well say this wrong, a um, eukaryotic translation initiation factor 4F, otherwise known as E. IF4F, is that correct? Correct. Are you able to tell me more about that, or is that as much as you want to? No, I can tell you just why we can probably drop down one more one more step. One more level, yeah. One more level without getting um, super complex. Yes. But the key steps in protein synthesis generally are that mRNA um, is, is formed as the cell reads from its DNA, mRNA then travels carrying the the message for the structure of the protein in question. mRNA moves towards um, intracellular structures called ribosomes. The ribosomes read the code which is in the mRNA and translate it ultimately into a protein. So that translation step happens when the messenger RNA, which we're all very familiar with now because messenger RNA is, is, has been one of the key components of COVID vaccines. But the messenger RNA indeed carries the message, which is then translated at the ribosome and ultimately forms um, a protein. Now, there are various components of the EIF4F complex, one of which is the one that we are particularly interested in, which is 4A. So it's mm-hmm. EIF4A. So we're, we're very interested in this subcomponent. And what happens is that this subcomponent is responsible for latching the mRNA into the ribosome so it can be read effectively. Mm-hmm. And in particular, the mRNAs that... Um, are carrying the messages for oncoproteins, so cancer proteins, have a particular structure which um, needs to be unraveled. And EIF4A, which is a component of EIF4F, unravels this, this structure. So if you inhibit EIF4A, you stop the reading of the mRNA and you stop, therefore, protein synthesis. So we are targeting a very specific component and a very specific cellular mechanism. And um, our founding scientists have demonstrated that in resistant cancer cells, these EIF complexes um, are upregulated, so they're much, they have a much higher level of activity. So if you inhibit them, then you overcome that resistance. Mm-hmm. And that has been demonstrated now in vivo by our founding scientist group from the Gustave Wassi, Professor Caroline Robert. Mm-hmm. She, uh, together with the group at the Institute Curie, have demonstrated that if you knock down that activity by inhibiting that component, you can overcome resistance. Okay, so when you say about this demonstration, are you able to tell me more about the trial which demonstrated that? It was done in vivo, so it's been done in experimental models, yes. animal models. Yeah. Uh, um, but it but has demonstrated that 
In those models, you have tumors which are resistant to a pathway inhibitor called a MEK inhibitor. Mm -hmm. And um, if you then co-administer the MEK inhibitor with an inhibitor of EIF4A, you have a, 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 a synergy between the two which results in inhibition of tumor growth. And we have subsequently now as Ribonexus expanded that concept, looking at the, our lead compounds and looking at how they combine, not just with MEK inhibitors, but other pathway inhibitors, and indeed in a variety of different tumor models. Can you tell me more about those tumor models at all? So we, have, um, we haven't settled on a final lead indication, but we're not far away from doing so. But almost certainly, given our um, scientific heritage, we will be um, continuing to work in melanoma. We're also looking at um, non-small cell lung cancer, which is a very significant poorly met medical need. And we may well also look at uh, pancreatic cancer. Yes, that's definitely, although we're all valid and worthy, that's one of the cancers which certainly has more, Indeed. more yes. space yeah. for research. Um, so to put it into sort of the real world terms, all this 50% of patients who are resistant to current therapies, mm -hmm. what does this mean for them? So... Um, the overall objective of what we're doing is to enable patients to live longer. Mm -hmm. So we would hope to be able to demonstrate that if you combine standard of care with the drugs that we're developing, um, that you would have a safe and effective way of prolonging survival time. I don't think anybody in cancer typically talks of uh, cures necessarily. Yeah. It depends upon the, the cancer indication. But certainly, we'd be looking for a significant prolongation of survival time. Brilliant. Is there anything you'd like to leave listeners with as a takeaway from everything we've been discussing today, <clears throat> whether it's from the ribosomes being worked with to the name ribonexus? Is there a sort of one-sentence statement? I think what we're trying to do at Ribonexus is to take something which is inherently very complex biology and turn that into something which can really have a significant impact on cancer patients. Um, that is what Ribonexus is about. Lovely. Well, thank you for your time, Stephen. Thank it's you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And so that concludes this episode of the Mini Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about previous instalments and the main Farm Forum podcast series at farmforum.com forward slash podcasts. The mini Farm Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Farm Forum. Of course, don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins as well. And follow us on Twitter at, at Pharma4. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for listening.